Have you ever wondered, you know, have you ever been there yourself or, or talked to someone uh, that, um, I don't know if, sometimes when we say fallen away or drifted away or become unfaithful, um, sometimes it's not easy to put it in terms because I think sometimes an individual Either we don't know how somebody else got to that place that they're in, or sometimes we don't know how we got there ourselves. Um, I, I truly don't think uh, any Christian just wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Or, I've never met anybody that has. I've never talked to anybody who was struggling or talked to anybody who um, has, has drifted away from the body of Christ that uh, said, you know, I just made a conscious decision. I just... Woke up one morning and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, I, I've not run across anybody like that, uh, that just made that decision uh, just one in, in the moment. I, I think there's a process or there's a uh, kind of a path sometimes that we don't realize that we take or we drift off the path, maybe a better word, a uh, better phrase. Uh, and I think we just don't realize how we do that. But is there... Is there any indications ahead of time that maybe we miss ourselves or maybe us as a congregation may miss that on somebody else? That we can look and say, you know, I, I see that you've been going through this or, or acting this way. Is there something that I can do to help you? Uh, you know, you always want, and that's what Jesus taught all through the Sermon on the Mount. That I, I think that was one of his key things was recognizing things before they actually become a, a, an issue before they actually become a sin. You know, that's what James talked about. You know, when you, you, you drift away to a certain point, you give in to certain things, and then it becomes sin, and then when that sin is full grown, it brings forth death. And Jesus, as I said, taught in the Sermon on the Mount, take care of it or realize it when it's, it's that initial uh, feeling or that initial uh, indication of, okay, this may be the direction that I'm going. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Now, how do we examine ourselves? How do you actually do that? Anybody know? How do I examine myself to see if I'm in the faith? Or Yeah, what his will is. I think that's the key. But when we do examine ourselves, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I think sometimes we tend to examine ourselves based on what we see everybody else do. How, how do I measure up to that? And that can do two different things. That one can give us a, a false sense of security. Uh, we may look at someone and say, you know, hey, at least I'm better than this person in, in this particular area or doing this. So it may give us a false sense of security, but two, it also may give us a, um, um, I don't know how to put it, exactly how I want to say it. Uh, it. It's not just a false sense of security, it may be that we look at it and say, it, it may not be beneficial to our faith, it may discourage us. I, I may look and say, well I can never measure up because I'll never be as good as this person. Well, what makes that person good? 
Or, or in our eyes, what makes it good? It, it's like Parker said, it's not what somebody else is doing. It's what, how do I measure up to God's Word? Because I may be doing everything according to God's Word to the very best of my ability, and somebody may look at me and say, Ron, that's, still, that's not enough. That's not enough. Sometimes we can be real critical. Sometimes we can ask more of our brothers and sisters in Christ than God does. You know, we may expect more because it may be what I want that person to do or what I think that person should do. And it can be very uh, detrimental sometimes to our faith. So it can give us a false sense of security or it can uh, hinder us from doing what we should be doing because we may get discouraged. And 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 12, says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I think Paul actually makes the uh, uh, argument and says, okay, you need, to, you need to examine yourself. You need to see whether you're in the faith or not. See whether Christ is in you. But then he also covers both areas of that. He says, one... Uh, take heed if you think you stand, lest you fall. He says sometimes you can get pretty full of yourself. Sometimes you can get to a point where you say, well, I'm pretty good because I, I think I'm better than this person over here. You better, be a, you better be aware. You may think you stand, but you fall. But then he also says, don't get discouraged when you're faced with things because God always provides a way for you. You know, Satan is working toward us to try to get us to sin, to try to get us to fall, and he's going to put things in front of us. And God said, don't worry, as much as he puts in front of you, I'm going to put a way, a path out. There's always a choice. There's always a way. Now, we may not think there is. Satan may convince us that they're not. But there's always a choice. And God said, as much as Satan puts on you, I'm going to give you as much escape as you need. I'm going to give you a way out each and every time. And sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we don't think there's a way. So let's look at some things, maybe, that will help us to see if we ourselves or if, if, if uh, someone that's with us in the body of Christ are, are struggling with things. Um, I, I think one thing is uh, isolation. When a person becomes isolated, and, and what I mean by that is we, you, you kind of see a person kind of start separating themselves uh, from everyone else. Uh, and they start thinking, well, you know, I, I, I can take care of this myself. I can, I can do this myself. I, can, I, I don't need anybody else's help. And, and here's, some, here's some signs of that. You ever hear anybody, when they talk about a congregation they go to, always say, thee or them? They or them, you know. Uh, uh, they are doing this. They, they decided this, or they're, they're teaching this, or they're having a gospel meeting, or they're having... You ever seen anybody do that? You ever heard anybody? I have, and I, I've often thought, don't you go to that congregation? Don't you do, you know... Why are you saying they're having a gospel meeting and when, when you should be a part of that or they're doing this? And, and they start separating themselves um, and isolating themselves to where they don't see themselves as part of the body. And it may be out of discouragement or it may be out of choice. And we need to recognize those signs. We need to recognize to be able to see. Now here's the key. We've got to be close enough with each other to do that. 
I think that's the key to a lot of things. If we're not close enough to each other, we're never going to recognize the signs of someone, of someone you know, drifting away. We did, uh, uh, I think for a while here, what was it, the Brothers Keepers? What was the point of that? Was there a point to it? Or was it just check a name off? Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes people would, believe it or not, people would get offended by that. You know, what, what are you calling me for? Why do you, why you, well, it, it should be just a, okay, I, I've just noticed that here, you're not here. I just want, are you sick? Are you, you know, there's reason for that. There's, there's that point of contact to be able to at least notice the ones that are around you, because let's face it, do we all pretty well sit in the same spot? Pretty much. Anybody ever change? You don't ever change, Mike? You're always right there. We look over there. If you're not there, then we know that nobody's going to be sitting there, right? So we all do that because we're creatures of habit. So at least what we need to do is kind of look around us. Is there somebody that's, that, that I'm not seeing here? Is there some reason for them not, not to be here? There's, and, and find out why. It could be something just simple, but it could be an indication that they're starting that path down the wrong way. And we need to be aware of that, need to be thinking about that. But as the person that may be starting down that path, I need to realize Christianity is not about just me by myself. God has structured things so I don't have to do it by myself. And He even gives me indications how hard it will be if I try to do that. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be uh, warm alone, though one may be overpowered by another? Two can withstand him, and threefold cord is not easily broken. Uh, This verse is full of so much information of why we can't do it or shouldn't do it by ourselves. One is, if I fall down, who's going to pick me up? Who's going to help me? You say, well, I rely on God. God set for His people to help, right? He's provided a way. You just didn't want to accept it. So what happens? I fall down in the mud. I can't get up by myself. No one there to help me. Why? It's not because they didn't want to be. It's because I've isolated myself and didn't let them be a part of it. And we all fall, don't we? We all fall short of God's glory. The Bible tells us we do. So we're going to. I would like to know that there's somebody going to be there, one, to help pick me up, and two, if they're there, they are going to help pick me up. They're not going to stomp on me and push me farther down into the mud. See, that, that's a part of it. It's a part of working together and being a part of it. But sometimes that's not what takes place. Sometimes we think we can do it um, all by ourselves. Uh, notice, there's another thing he says here. He says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and threefold cord is not easily broken. You know what he's basically saying? He's saying, if you're down and Satan is attacking you, you need somebody there to help you. You need somebody there, okay, if you don't feel like you can withstand him, they can hold him for you while you whop him a few times. You know, sometimes we just need help. Sometimes, because Satan's going to come at us with everything he's got. So we need all the help that we can get. It's not a fair fight with Satan, so we can't fight fair back. We've got to use everything that we have. 
Two-on-one is not an unfair fight when it comes to Satan. We need three-on-one. We need a whole congregation on him. Beat the tar out of him while, while our brother or sister is able to get up. But we don't have that if we're by ourselves. Isn't that what he says here? He's saying, one, that you need somebody to help you up, and two, you need somebody to help you fight. Because you may not be in the position, because Satan's not going to come at you straight on. He's going to do a sneak attack. He's going to do everything he possibly can. That's why Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And part of that is the body itself. That we've got everything we possibly can to protect us. Now think about this. Everything that we ever read about what God does, does He, do, does he ever do the minimum? He always proves beyond a shadow of a doubt He's the one doing it, doesn't He? So he don't do just the, okay, what's the least I can do for Ron over here? He's going to do the most that he can. So it's going to be overkill. So Satan shouldn't be able to get anywhere near me if I'm following the way that he says to do. But what happens is I start isolating. That's what that line that's walking around like a roaring, you know, devil's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's waiting for that one weak one to separate themselves from the herd, isn't he? Then he's going to pounce on it. He's going to jump right in the middle of the herd. He's going to wait. He's going to have patience because he knows. He knows sooner or later one of them is going to drift away. And there's lunch. But here the Bible tells us that's how you've got to recognize it. You've got to recognize that, that someone is getting to that point. Because when they get to that point, that's when danger is the worst. And I tell you, it's not easy to admit that you need help, is it? It's not easy to do that. But as Christians, we should be comfortable enough with each other that one, I can admit that to someone, but two, someone can recognize that. You know? So they can look and say, you know, Ronald's just not himself. He, he's different. I've I'm, I'm noticed he's, he's kind of isolated himself and, 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 and become a little different. I think that's one of the worst things that, uh, spiritually speaking, that COVID has done, hasn't it? It's isolated people to where they either get in the habit now of being alone or they felt so much alone that you don't know how to get out of that mindset. And I tell you, Satan just having a field day with that. Yeah, separate. Everybody get just by themselves and just, oh, it's just so wonderful and all that. And then before you know it, you just feels like the walls is closed in and you just don't know how to get out of that. You, you don't know how to do anything different. And that's where we've got to be extra vigilant, I think, uh, to be able to do that. But I think it all comes down uh, to helping one another. Look what uh, uh, Paul says in Romans, beginning at verse 12. Uh, well, Proverbs 18.1, did I put that in there? Uh, where the, uh, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. His, he rages against all wise judgment. You know why? Because there's no other judgment to compare it to. You know, you start seeing it just in your own eyes and it starts becoming, yeah, that's the right thing. And we don't have anybody to help us. And we're going to get into that a little farther. But look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. All of Romans chapter 12 is about how we should conduct ourselves as a child of God. And every bit of it is about, okay, examine yourself, see where you're at, and be able to work together. Be able to help each other. Be able to do this. Be able to, you know, you're focusing on others so you can be there. When you're uh, helping someone, then, or, or you're preferring someone, when you're looking, okay, what's best for that person, not just me, then you're paying attention to that other person. You're, you're knowing when something is wrong. You know when something's not right. But if you're just paying attention just to yourself, you're never going to know that because we're all in our own little world. We can sit in these pews together for years and not know anybody, anything about each other, can't we? Well, absolutely you can. It's not about just walking in this building. I think gathering this building, yeah, it's, we're here to collectively worship God, but it's here, it's one of those habit-forming things when it comes to Sunday night, when it comes to Bible study, when it comes to Wednesday night, to help us to be together. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit. We need to be together. We encourage one another, or we should anyway, to keep us from being wise in our own opinions. What other benefit is there with uh, being together uh, is taking wise counsel. I think when we start isolating ourselves or we start drifting away, then we start justifying things in our own mind, and then we seek out counsel that will agree with us to help us in our own situation. Here's what I mean with this. Look in, uh, you remember in 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, when he took over as king, he, he, he got the advice, or was going to get the advice, he didn't take it, of the, the older elders of what he should do, but he took the advice of those that he grew up with, his friends, and there were some devastating results of it. It says, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, and he said, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. See, the people come up and asked him, or what they were making a statement to him about was, you know, you know, the king has, has put a pretty hard yoke on us. He, he, he's treated us pretty bad. It, it's been a heavy load to bear. Can you lighten that load for us? So he's seeking the advice of the elders, the ones that work with his father, that he should have listened to because they've seen how he operated. They've seen what he did. And I think, there's, there, there, I think there's some validity to this. There's some discussion whether this was an empty complaint by the people but I believe there is by the, the counsel that the older elders gave that actually worked with the previous king. So they actually seen how things worked. It says, but he rejected the advice, uh, verse 8, which the elders had given him, and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him, and he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this, this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke with, uh, which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made a yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastened you with whips. I will chastise you with scourges. In other words, he's saying, Okay, you want me to lighten the load? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put more on you. Where he beat you with whips, I'm going to, 
I'm going to scourge you. I'm going to put pieces of bone and metal on those whips. I'm going to do worse than he did. And that didn't end very well. So what, what was the difference? What was the cause? It was the advice that he took. We've got to be careful who, who counsels us because who counsels us can lead us to apostasy. Who counsels us can cause us to drift farther and farther away. And that happens time and time again. Verses 13 and 14. Again, then the king answered uh, uh, to the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And he told them, he said, I, I, I'm taking this advice here and here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be a lot rougher on you. So who gave him the better advice? The older elders said, if you'll do this, these people will serve you forever. No, I'm going to beat them in submission. That's the advice I, I took. That's what I want to do. I think he was wanting to prove himself even a, a tougher, greater king than before, than his daddy was. So he listened to someone that told him what he wanted to hear, I believe. That's the reason he took it. And I think that's what people do today. Counselors, when I say counselors, I mean that's, that's the whole purpose of brothers, sisters in Christ. Or that's, that's the purpose of a, a good faithful eldership or a good faithful minister or something. that you Somebody that you can go to and, and would sit down with you at scriptures to help guide you in the way that you should go. Not to guide you in the way that you want to go. And that's what happens many times. I think that's what causes people to drift away even farther. They get the wrong advice. Because they get what somebody thinks instead of what God's Word says. And individuals sometimes don't want to hear what God's Word says. I, I know of, of several occasions, and one in particular, uh, especially when it has to do with marriage. I, I've had individuals come and, and talk to me, and, uh, uh, Ronald, we want you to perform a ceremony. And I'll sit down and talk with them. We'll go over Scripture. And it comes to find out, according to Scripture and according to what they're saying, they're not eligible to be married. And then they get mad. Oh, they get mad. So they go and talk to another Christian counselor. They tell them everything's all right. And then that, down the path that they go. That, that's what happens. We start seeking. And it's not just that. That's just some experience I have just as a minister and talking with individuals. Or I've had individuals come and say, Ron, what do you think about this situation? And I'll say, well, I, here's what I think about it, but what does God's Word say about it? And then we'll start reading Scripture, and we'll start telling yeah, that, that's what I thought you'd say. And then they'll go and talk to somebody else, and they'll go talk to somebody else until they find the right answer. It doesn't mean that I, I have the right answer. It means that I go to the right place for the right answer. It's not about what I think anyway. And I've had people say that, even in Bible classes. You know, they'll say, Ron, what do you think about that? Well, you're asking me what I think. Here's what I think. Here's how I think this scripture applies, or here's how I think this should be. But here's what God's Word says. And, you know, we, we've got to make sure, am I, gonna, am I going to base the eternity of my soul on what somebody tells me? We've got to make sure we have the right counsel, even if we don't want to hear it. And really, most of the time, don't we know what the answer is anyway? Don't we know what the right way is and, and we just want somebody to verify that for us. Now, there's times that, you know, individuals come up are truly seeking, and they have to make some hard choices. And it's, it's not easy. We're going to talk about that in our worship service. It's not easy uh, many times to make the decision to follow God. It's not easy to do some of the things that God asks us to do. But we still have to do it. And I, I, here's why I think it's so hard sometimes, because we think 
that we may not say it out loud, and we may say we're Christians so we don't think that way, but we have to think that way by doing some of the things that we do, that this world, it's all about just this world. I, I can't make this sacrifice because this is how it's going to affect me in this, in, in this life, okay? It, it, it very well may. Romans 12 says our bodies are living sacrifices. We make a sacrifice every single day by the choices that we make. So it is a sacrifice. How long is that sacrifice going to last? 20 years? 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? 60? Ever how long we live, you know, from that point that we make that decision? We think about how bad it is going to make that decision to do the right thing. But this world is but a vapor, isn't it? It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I always like to say it's like cotton candy. You know, you get that big wad in there and you think, boy, I'll never get that in my mouth. As soon as it touches, it's gone. It's out of here. I'm just wasting my dollar on air, colorful air. That's really what we do with our lives. I've wasted my life on just colorful air. It was just here for a moment. Because I chose to do certain things, and, but I've got to recognize that I'm doing it. I've got to recognize and say, what counsel am I getting? You know, what, am I getting the right counsel and where should that come from? The same thing that we examine ourselves. It should come from the same standard that we use to examine ourselves. That should be the same counsel that we get. We can't ever, ever stray away from that. And I tell you, this part really, really gets me because probably the hardest, the most difficult part since 1998, when I first started preaching, well, I started preaching full-time. I preached some when I was a teenager. Since then, that has been one of the most difficult things, is someone coming to you for counsel, and it's been the most scariest thing, and you try to sit down. That's what I've always tried to do. It doesn't matter what I think. Here's what God's Word says. Now, there's times I interject my, my own opinion in the matter, but it comes down to what God's Word says, and people will get mad, they'll get upset, they'll talk about you, they'll, I mean, it just, because they don't want to hear it. Then they start making it personal. See, we've got, in order to give, I, I believe, the right counsel as, as Christians, we give counsel, we're just the messenger of God's Word. We're not the creator of it. And we've got to remember that. We've got to take our own emotions, we've got to take our own feelings, out of it and just look at the facts of God's Word. But then in doing that, then we can take our emotions, we can take our feelings, and we take our e efforts to help them through that situation. Not just throw God's Word at them so they deal with it and move on. Uh, you know, we, we can't do that. We need to take the time, okay, here's what God's Word says. This is going to be hard for you to get through. I'm going to do all I can to help you with it. I'm not going to try to leave you out to dry. I'm going to get all the, the help that I can with it. See, I think that's the problem. You know, I've heard people say, well, I might as well just quit going to church then because it's not going to do me no good. And I've heard people say, yeah, you might as well just quit. Really? They say, well, if they're not going to change, why not come in here and at least keep hearing God's Word so maybe it can break through that soul? Show them that we still love them. God still loves them and wants them to change. Now, there's things in which are going to be different if they're, they're living, you know, started turning to sin. But it, we've got to be careful when it comes to put ourselves in this situation 
and make sure we're getting the counsel that God wants us to have. And two, we've got to make sure on the other end that we're giving the counsel that God wants us to give to individuals. So it won't lead them astray. Remember, we've, we've got to be instant in season, out of season. We've got to make sure that we, we, we are giving that advice from God whether a person wants to hear it or not. Somebody ever told you something that was true but you didn't want to hear it? You didn't want to change? Especially as a, as a child when your parent tells you, you know, this is what it's got to be. You know, you've got to do this and here's the reason why. It's not always been easy. Sometimes we've been just get mad about it. But you do it because you know it's the right thing. And you know the consequences if you don't. And sometimes we have to learn those consequences. But getting the right counsel, I think, is very important. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we've got to stay true to God's word. Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on uh, tablets of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Again, we've got to stay true to God's word. And I think it, it goes on both sides. I think this can, the, the counselor can be the problem, or I think the person listening to the counselor can be the problem. It just depends on the situation. And I think any time we don't use God's word as a standard, it's a problem on, on both sides. You, you've got to make sure that, uh, that you're, uh, you're staying true to God's word. Any thoughts about this? I don't know if I stopped letting anybody say anything. Sound true? You ever got any bad advice? And took it? Knowing it was bad advice, but it agreed with you. You know? Uh, again, I, I, I'm speaking just from experience. I'm one that would drive 50 miles out of the way knowing I'm going the wrong direction. I just don't want to admit it. I just think along the way I'll find some road to get me back right. So I, I understand that mindset. I understand that, that uh, mindset of saying, I'm going to go this way and I'm going to keep going this way. Because that's the way I, I believe is, is right. And, and this person over here told me it was. It took me five people or ten people to get to this person, but this person told me. This person said it. I, had, I can remember Thomas Eves told me years ago, years ago, when uh, uh, I went to him for some advice on some things of, of preaching, because he, he kind of the one, well, he's the one that, that uh, uh, converted me and helped me along the way. And, and I asked his advice on things, because I was, you know, I was one in there, oh, I'm going to fix this problem, and I was pretty, you know, okay, this was a 20-year problem, but we're going to fix it here on one Sunday night. You know, it, and it, it wasn't like that. And he said, you've got you to calm down. You've got to realize what it takes to get people to that point. And he said, but one thing you've always got to do, he said, just make sure when somebody comes to you for counseling that you take you out of it and you just give them God's word. He said, now they may get mad at you for it, but he said, you've got to stay true to God's word. And, and I've, I've never forgot that, and it's rung true. Um, there's individuals that don't speak to me today because, uh, one, I didn't perform the ceremony, but two, they just didn't like some of the things that uh, uh, I counseled them about. But they got mad, you know, uh, fighting mad on one of them. Uh, so what do you do in that? How, you know, do you just, uh, you know, play along to go along, as it were? Do you just, and I think that's what some do. 
Uh, I'll do this because I can get a paycheck, or I'll say this, then these people will like me, or I'll say this, and we'll, we'll get more in our congregation if we, if we do this. You know, you may have elderships to just say, yeah, if we start, you know, uh, telling people this, we'll get more in our pews. Or a preacher may say, boy, if I start preaching this, boy, I'll keep my job longer. And those things start factoring into it. But all we're doing is helping people to drift away to apostasy. And then before you know it, they, they come to a point and try to realize, how did I get here? How did I get to this point? Well, there were signs all along the way. We just didn't, we didn't see them or heed them. And I think that's what happens sometimes. Um, what about friendships? I think that got uh, uh, Rehoboam, uh, the, the people that he grew up with, he started listening to. Uh, I think friendships can go both ways. They can either harm you or help you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, Be not deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Has there ever been a time that that wasn't true? I mean, think about it. Has there ever been a situation that you thought you could put yourself in and this, this verse wouldn't apply to it? it? It doesn't affect you in any way. I can do this and go there and be a part of this. And it, it doesn't affect, it won't affect me in any way. Has there been a time it's not true? There's times I think we think it's not true, but, other, but there's times that we find out the consequences of it. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from your path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Why would anybody follow someone to do evil? Why would we do that? Or follow someone to do wrong? You ever been in a situation that you didn't want to be in, but you wasn't strong enough to stand up not to be in? And then before you know it, you were in a situation you didn't want to be in, and, and a part of something, and doing something that you didn't want to do in the first place, but you're still doing it. What would make a person do that? Acceptance. Yeah, uh, and it's been no different. Remember, there were some that wouldn't stand up uh, when uh, uh, Jesus healed healed the one. Why? Because they're afraid they're going to get thrown out of the temple. They're afraid of what the rulers were going to do. So they just said nothing, kind of went along. You know, it's amazing the people that we put stock in and say, you know. This will benefit me if I'm around them. This will benefit me if I do what they do. Uh, and where does it end up? You know, where, where do we follow that person to? Do we follow them all the way to destruction? Or do we see the signs along the way? Jesus said in John 15 and 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus said, Here, here's how you can be a friend to me, is do this. If, if you do my commands, you're a friend of me. But again, we want to follow the crowd. We want to follow the, the uh, ones we think we're friends that we can fit in with. And this isn't just for kids. We think about this when it comes to teenagers. You always talk about peer pressure when you're teaching a teenage class. Peer pressure goes far beyond that. There, there's peer pressure at work. There's peer pressures when uh, you go around and see other things and, and you know, your associates, your friends when, when you're an adult. There's other pressures, but many times we don't think about that. And the last one, 
a lack of prayer. Uh, Luke 18 and 1 says, Then he spoke a parable then, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Uh, we start praying. So if we're going to, I think that's a natural process. So if we're going to quit listening to what God says through his word, then we're going to quit talking to him, aren't we? We don't want any association because we want to, you know, again, I can do it by myself. And this person over here told me I didn't have to do it the way that, you know, you said I had to do it. And then I, I'm with these friends over here, and, and, and they're doing different things. They seem like they're having a good time. They seem like everything's fine with them. So you start getting in that process before you know it, you quit talking to God. You quit listening to Him, so you might as well quit talking to Him. And that's what we see when it comes to prayer. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, if, if we're trying to do it alone, we fall down and we're marred up in the mud of sin and we don't have anybody to help us up, we ain't got anybody to talk to either. And it's not God's fault. Isaiah 59 is, says he, it's not that he can't hear you and it's not that he can't reach you. It says that you don't want him to. You don't want him to hear you. You don't want him to reach you. But now that you're in this situation, you may think that you do. So you start, you know, your prayer life isn't what it used to be. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How do you pray without ceasing? So, Sometimes you have to look up, don't you, and see where you're going. So how do you pray without ceasing? Is there, is, can you do it? How do you continue to do it? Constantly pray. Is it like I did on the uh, plane to India? When I told Jack and Tim Smith, they kept, I said, quit talking to me. I'm not quit praying until we get on the ground. And I prayed that whole flight. That was a long flight. You know, I, I probably look nuts, you know, over there doing it, but that in my mind is the only way that plane was going to stay up in that air because that's the first time I've ever been on one. Yeah, it's like calling him and you don't ever hang up. He's just always online with you. And I think that's right. It's just, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, uh, that's probably evident from my driving, but I, I pray when I'm driving. I'm sure others around me do too. But, you know, I pray when I'm at work. And it may be just a, a partial conversation here or a partial conversation here. Fortunately, I don't, you know, when it comes to just outright just praying all the time, just stopping and just saying prayers, I don't do that a, a whole lot. But I say a lot of prayers during the day. You know, how long does our prayer have to be? What words do you have to say? What does that conversation have to be like? I think that's what it has to be. It needs to be a conversation. It just needs to be, I'm comfortable enough to be able to talk to my God and talk to Him about the things that I need, you know, and things that go through. Because there's a lot of things that go through my mind. I'm, I, you know, of uh, this is going wrong or this, and I just have to constantly... And when I don't do that, I can tell it. I can tell the difference in how I act or the things that I do when I quit doing that. You know, that's why I, I really like Philippians, even though I don't follow it like I should. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, think on these things. And that's the things that you're talking, when you're talking to God, you can start focusing on those things. But again, when I'm trying to do it by myself, I'm trying to take counsel from somebody else who tells me this is the way I ought to do it because that's the way I want to do it. And then I start associating with the wrong ones. And again, what I'm doing is I'm cutting that conversation off with God and I don't have that. I'm not thinking on those good things. 
I'm thinking on those bad things. I'm starting to think of what I had to give up to be a Christian, how much a sacrifice it is. And those people down there at church, they want to meet all the time. We just had BBS. I had to be there every night. You know, we start thinking in those terms. And then again, we want to cut off that conversation that we have with God. Luke 5, verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If Jesus had to pray, I know I've got to. And Jesus went to his heavenly Father often for the things that he was going through. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Stand firm and keep going. It's not easy, but we've got to understand we've got those around us to help us if we just let it. And I think sometimes we don't.